You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I am your host, Andre Champagne, and today I am joined by Cassidy Johnson and Patricia Caputo. How are y'all girls doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Andre? I'm pretty great right now. Um, as this past weekend, LSU defeated Florida by a score of 45 to 35, making this the fourth consecutive win over Florida and the tenth in the last 13 years. We saw some great things from LSU's offense, which was the first time they were dominant all season, in my opinion, that offense. So we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to start off with offense. Jaden Daniels totaled six touchdowns, totaling with three rushing and three passing. What did y'all see from him that allowed him to look more comfortable in the pocket? What I would say is this offensive line. They played a lot better than usual. They cleaned up some of the mistakes that they've had. Will Campbell was out last week, so that definitely hurt us when we were playing when LSU was playing against Tennessee. But now coming into this game, Will Campbell was healthy, well rested. Emory Jones seems to get better every week, and it gave time for Jaden Daniels to be comfortable in the pocket and to throw, especially to guys like Keishon Booty, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, but able to make those big plays when it mattered. Yeah, I agree. The O line really showed up and showed out. Jaden Daniels looked amazing. He looked comfortable, and not only comfortable, he looked confident throwing the ball. Like, he was slanging the ball. So I think he had a master class down in the swamp. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I just think that that offensive line did such a good job of protecting him, which allowed him to stay in that pocket. Also, think he's starting to build chemistry finally with his receivers as we saw him take you know one-on-one matchups down the field pretty much all night. So with the offense opening up, the line was phenomenal going up against a decent defensive line in Florida. Do you think that the offensive line is starting to progress at the right time, and do you think it is because they're mostly healthy now? Yeah, I would agree. Like, health plays a very big role, but I also feel like everyone's just gelling together and learning how to efficiently play their part. Health does matter, but we have to remember that Garrett Garrett Dellinger is not here as he did suffer an injury last week against Tennessee. And despite all of that, you wouldn't have known. This offensive line looked like a well-put-together team. A lot what we've seen this season were a lot of problems on the right side, especially with guys like Miles Frazier and Emory Jones as he continues to get comfortable at that position. But they looked better, again, giving Jaden Daniels time to throw. What I liked from Jaden Daniels is that he didn't wait for this wide-open guy. That's what Jaden Daniels seemed to like to do the past few weeks, that he wanted someone who was clearly wide open, and that's not how football works. And part of that might have had to do with him throwing that interception against Tennessee, where you got it out of the way, you don't have a clean slate, you don't have to be perfect, and now he was able to just be more comfortable, be more confident, as Cassidy said, and take the risk in making the big plays. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's the perfect time for the offensive line to start improving and just keeping their play consistent because when Ole Miss comes into town, you're going to have to be ready for what they bring. And then the bye week is going to really bring pretty much positive – just positive – it's positive for you because – I mean, you get a week to rest pretty much, and that's good for Dellinger, as you mentioned. So I think their success is just going to rely on them being healthy for the rest of the season. And even Jaden Daniels, who might still have a little bit of that back strain going on that he had versus Tennessee, and now Jack Besh is dealing with that same issue. Yep. With guys like Emory Jones and Will Campbell coming back for another two years, how bright in the future of this team 
you know, do you see their development going? It can really only go up from here. They're so young and you have time to like learn how to become better at your position. You've got years and you're training with some of the best coaches for more years. So I think they can only get better from here. Will Campbell won SEC Lyman of the Week, not freshman, just Lyman, and that says a lot because there was a lot of questions coming into this season about this offensive line. And, Andre, if I'm not mistaken, last semester you had a hot take on Will Campbell. I'm pretty sure it was last semester where you said that Will Campbell might be the best left tackle LSU has ever had. And that, that was before Will Campbell had even played a snap of LSU football. And so far, he's proven that to be true. So as Brian Kelly is able to bring in a few more recruits, he's able to have more of what you might say, quote unquote, his team, right? Some yep. guys that are his, you could say. And he develops a program that is built together and they're comfortable together. Will Campbell and Emory Jones are only going to get better. And they make LSU look really good, especially for quarterbacks. Like you're going to have a guy like Walker Howard in the next few years playing with them as well. And by the way, Will Campbell literally did not allow a pressure or a sack in all 70 snaps he played in every single play this week. And that is a week. He was a week ago. He was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So just that's just crazy to me but I think the sky's the limit for both of those guys you know when when Zalance heard from Neville comes in I think he's gonna take Jones Emory Jones spot and and Jones is gonna slide down to the right guard spot or left guard so I mean we're gonna be we're gonna be stacked for a while at the offensive line position Mm -hmm. and like you could have never said that two three years ago about the any LSU football team pretty much except you know 2019 which was different but it's just wild to me to think that we're going to actually have good linemen for the next coming years. So the receivers had a good game with Jaden throwing for over 300 yards. Kayshawn Booty finally shined as he went off for six receptions for 115 yards with Jeray Jenkins and Malik Neighbors also contributing well. We talked about the receivers having to get open more with Jaden, and they did on Saturday. So what did you like to see from them on Saturday? I just like to see that they were hungry for the ball. Like, they wanted to get those targets, which I really like to see. And they were aggressive. So they were not messing around Saturday. I liked what I saw. Again, I'd like to see the risk that Jaden Daniels took. I loved how they started off early. This was a team that seemed to be a second-half team for most of the year. But Jaden Daniels was able to get things going early and get the ball to booty, which was so important because he can be such a threat to a defense, and he showed that finally against Florida. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers right now in the SEC, and he just had to prove that. They just had to get him the ball. And now, as you head into a team like Ole Miss, who's number seven in the AP polls, they have to look out for now Kayshawn Booty, for Malik Neighbors, Jare Jenkins. The list goes on, and that's what this wide receiver core was supposed to be all season. It's just taken this long for them to finally get to this point. Yeah, like Cassidy said, I just liked how aggressive they were in their one-on-one matchups. We got that free play, and Jare Jenkins just, you know, went for it and just beat him off the jump. And it was nice to see because we haven't seen long plays like that all season, to be honest. And credit to Jaden Daniels yeah. for seeing yes. that Yes, and he that. stepped up huge. I don't know if it was, you know, a confidence thing, uh, if it was a chemistry thing, but seems like, you know, if we take more deep shots like that, it's going to be good, going good for us. So I, I like to see Kayshawn, like you said, get his shine because that really helps his confidence going into Ole Miss and, you know, once you're struggling, it's it, you feel like you can't really do anything. Once you have that one game, his confidence is going to be so up for Ole Miss that 
I mean, he is Ole Miss's owner. I mean, uh, <laughs> he had, what, four, three touchdowns against them with like 200 yards. So, I mean, the only thing I would say about the wide receivers, not even the wide receivers, I would like to see the tight ends get more involved next week. But Josh Williams had a phenomenal game as well, rushing for 106 yards. We also saw him do things in the check down with a passing game. What does he do for this LSU offense that is just so important? He's just really consistent. He's like your go-to guy. If you need yards, you need to pick up like one yard for to get that first down. Like That's the guy you go to. And I think that's what I like most about him. You can always count on him. Josh Williams opens up this offense. The, these wide receivers did last week, but especially Josh Williams. This offense just seems more put together now, and that's something Ole Miss has, that they have a very even run and passing game, and this is something that Ole Miss might have to look out for if Josh Williams continues to produce. And I just love his story. If you haven't heard the interview that we had with him this summer, he was cool enough to come on, and we did a live interview with him via Instagram at KLSU Sports. I would check that out. He is a walk-on, so he had to work his way up to earn a scholarship. He he did just that, and it's quite impressive what he's been able to do both on and off the field academic-wise, and now he's finally getting his time to shine. And credit to Brian Kelly, because there was high expectations for John Emery Jr. coming back. And if this was Coach O, I would have totally expected to see John Emery Jr. Yeah, back. Yeah, it would have been mix. seniority thing. Yes. It would have been the whatever was based around the hype. Yes. And that was what John Emery was. Mm-hmm. But Josh Williams has been, like Cassie said, just – He's been the most consistent back that we've had, and that's probably so surprising, I think, because everybody was like, oh, Armani Goodwin and John Emery. That's that's all we're going to see this year, and maybe Noah Kane. But we really – all we've been seeing was Josh Williams, you know, just go off. He runs so angry for a size. I mean, he kind of reminds me of Clyde. I don't want to, you know, be – I mean, I don't want to compare people to 2019, of course, right. but – just for his size, he runs so angry. But he does, and he's very committed, and he's got his opportunity and took it. And just going back to what you said about Keishon Booty, I think you're talking about 2020, where LSU 53 to 48 Ole Miss. Yep. Booty had 14 receptions, 308 yards. Exactly. He, he owns them. He owns them. <laughs> he owns them. I mean, he had a touchdown last year before he got hurt. Uh, I think Nuss, Nuss threw mm-hmm. him a touchdown. But. Also, Josh Williams' pass blocking just goes unnoticed, but he was huge in the Florida game in terms of keeping the defensive ends from getting to Jaden. I mean, he was, like, guarding these 250-pound guys. He was, like, leaving his feet. It was it was ridiculous. But we're going to move on and talk about this LSU defense. LSU had their struggles on defense, allowing some big plays, but they came up when it mattered most. So we're going to kind of talk about what happened with them this week. The defense had some trouble, obviously, with getting to Richardson and tackling in the secondary. So what did y'all see with the struggles just in tackling? That's what I saw. I saw a whole lot of missed tackles. One notably was that 83-yard rushing play by the Florida quarterback. And it's just one of those things where you look – Anthony Richardson, excuse me. Anthony Richardson, 83 yards down the field and – I don't want to point him out because it wasn't just him, but Micah Baskerville. It just he has forty tackles on the season. He's played great for LSU, but he just seemed to tap Richardson. Like it was like we were playing flag football or something like that. And that's totally not what this was. Just so many missed tackles in that game. And it's things like the fundamentals of football you just have to clean up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's fundamentals. Like 
you know, get, I mean, I don't play football, but you know, you got to get down and wrap them up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like what Brian Kelly said. I mean, he was like, it sounds simple, but I mean, really just tackle him, like yeah. wrap up and tackle. And they knew Richardson was a good running quarterback. So why would you try and strip it from him when you know that he's going to make you pay? So we definitely need to do that, do better in that, you know, in terms of tackling next week with Dart, who can mm-hmm. – he's an actual dual threat. He can actually throw it, you know. So although tackling was poor, LSU coverage really held up for most of the game. How much do you think this helps the DB room with having to play against some good receivers next week? It's definitely a confidence boost for sure. Anytime you're coming off a big win, it just makes you hungrier and you want to you wanna see, like, if you can outdo what you did the last weekend and perform and outperform yourself. There was a lot of questions with this defensive backs room coming into the season. A guy like Makai Gardner has really shown as to why he's come to LSU to prove how great he can be, and he's done that this season. A guy like Colby Richardson, I'd like to see a little bit more from. He just seems to be very touchy with the wide receivers in terms of drawing penalties, just things that shouldn't be happening. He's a transfer from McNeese. He's a senior. He should have this experience. So that's a guy that I would like to see improve on simple mistakes and just simply turn your head when a wide receiver puts his hands out or opens his eyes, just little things like that that you got to look out for. Turn your head and make sure you're looking at the ball so you aren't called for a pass interference. I, I agree. I mean, this DB room has just improved so much as a whole since the start of the season when we were getting torched by Florida State <laughs> wide receivers and then the Tennessee game especially. It was just pretty bad to watch. But, I mean, Florida has some decent, you know, skill players, and we did really well, you know, in terms of we had a maybe one or two coverage busts, but that was on the safeties. That wasn't one-on-one, you know. Mm-hmm. But that that's all I pretty much saw. So Brian Kelly mentioned that LSU is not a completely different team after the Tennessee loss, but they learned a hard lesson to prepare better and to have attention to detail. Here's what he had to say. You know, each week this team is is learning so much and and growing. Um, Unfortunately, they learned from the Tennessee loss, and, and nobody really wants to be learning lessons after a loss, but they learned a lot about intentionality and purpose in terms of their preparation and and we saw that during the week uh, and it carried over to the way they played on the road i think then you win on the road the fashion that they did you build more confidence in your football team so i think two weeks later it's um, i don't want to say a different team but it's a team that has confidence it's a team that knows that if they don't play clean if they don't have an attention to detail they'll have similar results that they did against Tennessee. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is that um, it's not a different team, but it's a team that has grown from the last couple of weeks. And and if they take that knowledge into their preparation this week and into the game and their performance, um, then, then we should have one uh, really fine football team. What do y'all think about this statement and just how much have you seen LSU grow since that concerning loss in Death Valley? They 
I love what Brian Kelly said because this isn't a different team, and you don't need a different team. You take a loss against Tennessee. That was a humbling moment, and truthfully, it needed to happen with this team, right, because you don't want to get too ahead of your bridges. You had lost to Florida State, so it's not like you were competing for a national championship or anything of that stature, but this is a young team. It's still a new team, and it shows what are you going to do when you have adversity, when you face it, when you lose a game like that at home in Tiger Stadium. Are you going to continue to play like that for the rest of the season, or are you going to be able to grow from that adversity and get better and part of that was this offensive line that they faced those struggles versus Tennessee some of which were out of their control and they made sure they got better Jaden Daniels did the same thing he changed the way that he played slightly and made sure that I, I like Jaden Daniels he knew he had to go out there and throw the ball against Florida and that's what he did making those changes improved this team drastically in just a week. Cassidy what do you think just about how much this team's grown well, yeah, I agree. Like, it's it's not a completely different team. And honestly, I think the Tennessee game, knock on wood, is the worst that we will ever play this whole season. Yes. And, I mean, Tennessee's just a really good team. Like, they're a great team. And I think they just exposed us. They exposed what we needed to work on. Like you said, it was a very humbling experience. We saw what we needed to work on. They worked on it. I mean, I think they look great right now. Against Florida, they looked great. The O-line for sure. So... Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, with them getting blown out at home, you know, top 25 matchup against Tennessee, I think that, you know, kind of woke them up just in terms of like, wow, we just kind of everybody left the stadium. It was just Tennessee fans. They probably looked at it like we cannot do this again. So like that's why I'm really expecting, you know, the most out of them this coming weekend, you know, against Ole Miss. So, I mean, learn from your mistakes pretty much and just do your job. That, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I, I would have to say. Moving on, LSU faces a tough challenge in facing Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart, who Brian Kelly praised on Monday. Here's what BK had to say about Dart. Um, and uh, we're excited about the challenge. It's, a, it's an outstanding football team, well coached. Uh, Lane does a great job with um, obviously the offense, but overall uh, a very confident football team. Uh, been playing well, uh, undefeated. Um, it's an offense that is, um, you know, systematic in its play calling. Um, what they're trying together quite nicely, uh, and very talented. You know, the quarterback, um, you know, is is a true, true double threat quarterback. Um, Dart can throw it. Um, he can run. Uh, he's complemented with two outstanding backs, uh, big receivers, uh, and, and a very, uh, you know, very balanced attack. They can run it equally as well as they throw it, and uh, so I have a lot of respect for what they do defensively. They're in, you know, a, a three-down defense. Uh, you know, we don't see a ton of what they do. Uh, they do what they do well, um, and. Uh, you know, I think they they get pressures. Uh, I think they're second uh, in the SEC in sacks. So difficult sometimes to know where they're coming from. We'll have to do a really good job with protections, scanning, um, and, and taking care of our quarterback. So uh, excited to be at home. I know our guys want to obviously uh, play well at home uh, before um, uh, our home fans. So who are some of the key people to look out for on this Ole Miss offense? 
Jackson Dart, first of all. Lane Kiffin, credit to him for what he's been able to do with this transfer portal this season, or this offseason, rather. Jackson Dart they pick up. They pick up a guy like Malik Heath out of Mississippi State, and they've been able to work well together. And also, the thing that's scary about this team is we talked about our the LSU offense and how they had a good running game, good passing game. Ole Miss has that consistently, and they have two dominant backs, one in Crin- Quinshawn Judgekins, and then another in Zach Evans, who, they, I mean, they had three players rush for 100 yards each last week, and the third guy was Jackson Dart. So Jackson Dart is a mobile quarterback. As Brian Kelly said, he's a dual threat, and those are three big guys you got to look out for. Yeah, I agree with all of that, especially Zach Evans. He's a top running back in the nation. And, you know, when he gets going, he's definitely hard to contain. And I worry, like, our defense, because it seems like sometimes our defense kind of shuts off and someone can, like, explode for 20 yards, 30 yards, and it's like, whoa. And I also think we should watch out for Jackson Dart. Like you said and Coach Kelly said, he is a dual threat. He is mobile and he can throw dots. And I am worried about that because the last time we played a quarterback of that caliber – we got smacked 40-13. to 13. Like, Hendon Hooker, he's a great example of being a dual-threat quarterback as well. So I think those are the two players we should watch out for the most. Yeah, I agree with all of y'all. I mean, this offense is just filled with studs. First off, you know, Jackson Dart, one of the best-throwing quarterbacks in the, in the country, not only in the SEC. But you can't just let them run because – freshman you know Quinshawn Judkins he's one of the best freshmen in the in the country so Zach Evans you know a former five-star he's just talented like Cassie said you get him going he's you know that would be a great mistake but pretty much I would see Zach Evans his play is kind of similar to John Emery he's just a little faster and he's you know more elusive and What's with that being said, though, Quinshawn Judkins had taken over this role as just a freshman on this old. Hey, he's a he's a starter, yeah. So is getting to Jackson Dart going to be the key for our defense in order to slow the game down? As we know, Ole Miss runs a fast offense similar to Tennessee's. Yeah, like if we want to win, we have to go for Jackson Dart, and we have to, like you said, they run a fast offense like Tennessee. I was watching the Tennessee Alabama game the other night, and Tennessee moves so fast. I was like. Oh, my gosh. Like, so I think if we get to Jackson and make sure we slow down their offense, I think that we should be in the clear. Yes. Uh, mm, I don't know. Jackson Dart is not all that I would be looking at for this team. Where this LSU team faces the challenge is that every team they've played thus far, they've really only had to worry about a quarterback or a running back or a – Something that the quarterback does, whether it's okay, he passes a lot, so you got to focus on his pass game, or he has he uses his legs, he has mobility. Whereas this week, Jackson Dart can do both of those things. They have two dominant backs that you have to look out for, and they have experience in the wide receiver core. So there's just a lot that this LSU team has to prepare for, and I would not just zone in on one player, and that will be the biggest challenge this LSU defense faces how are they going to be able to prepare for all of these offensive weapons that Ole Miss has yeah I agree I mean you have to play your athletes pretty much and for Perkins not to be in against Tennessee was just absurd so Mm -hmm. you you can't do that you can't make that mistake again this week in my opinion also think our defensive linemen have to do way better than they did last week to getting to the quarterback and like way faster just because for Ole Miss like a play to develop, it's going to take – it's going to be like a snap of a finger. It's going to be so quick. So they're going to have to get to him. And and guys like Jaquel and Roy are going to have to step up. We saw Wingo step up, so we need more – you know, Allie Gay needs to step up, Savian Jones. 
those guys just need to get to the quarterback. B.J. Ojolari has three and a half sacks on the season, and he leads our team right now in sacks. So definitely getting to the quarterback is going to be key if they want to defeat Ole Miss. Right. What would y'all like to see just LSU do better this weekend moving forward? Honestly, just a, a hot start. I don't like how we we sleep, and then it's like, oh, we got to wake up. We got to, you know, so maybe if we start off like we're hungry, I think that would be great to see. Defense, as you said, Harold Perkins, get him involved. Ali Gay, also the tackling. Brian Kelly mentioned that in his press conference, and he said, I don't want it to say that it's this easy, but we have to tackle. And that's all you can pretty much say about this team. That was the problem, even though you win against Florida, that was one of the struggles you see on this defense, that they could not tackle. Again, fundamentals of football, they have to figure it out this week. Exactly, I would agree. I would just say discipline in terms of, you know, being on defense, whether that's, you know, tackling right or just, you know, pay attention because you don't know what Ole Miss is going to run. You know, Mm -hmm. they're so – expect the unexpected pretty much, like what you, you know, did against Florida State pretty much. We're going to move on to the NFL now. On Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the New Orleans Saints by a score of 26-24 to in a nostalgic game for LSU fans. Uh, Burrow and Chase connected plenty as Jamar had two touchdowns, one which sealed the comeback as the Saints blew a 10-point lead. <laughs> How did you like to see that Joe and Jamar doing are doing their thing again in the Dome? I loved it. Joe Burrow walks in with a Jamar Chase game more in 2019 national championship jersey. It was exciting, and I do love the way that Saints fans handled it. They came in with class saying, welcome, Joe, but not today, all right? It didn't work out that way for Saints fans, but it was exciting to see that respect between someone who, two players, rather, who brought home a national championship for their hometown, in a sense. Yeah, nostalgic is just the best way to put it. I was really emotional watching the game because I was a freshman. So it was good times, good times, good times. It was hard for me because I'm, oh, yeah. you know, Saints fan. And then you just watch Burrow and Chase end it for your team. So it's like, <laughs> like, haha, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to say. But I did see a TikTok of a Saints fan saying, well, if we're going to lose, I'd like to lose to Joe Burrow. And I mean, it's true. It's, it, it is true. So if you're the Saints, how frustrating is this as you fall to 2-4 and four with a confusing quarterback situation? I don't know if it's that big of a deal, and I'm not saying this lightly, but I'm saying that because you, as a Saints player, fan, it, you've been destroyed by injuries. I mean, not only do you have off-the-field issues, now Alvin Kamara is getting sued for $10 million for an incident that happened during the Pro Bowl, so that affects the team. And then you have Michael Thomas, who's coming back and now is not 100% healthy again. Chris Olave is just now getting out of concussion protocol, and then Jameis Winston goes out and you're starting quarterback. You have a guy in like Andy Dalton, but still it doesn't compare to the guy who's been able to take the snaps all summer for this team. Cassidy, what do you think? I agree. It's it's this, it seems like nothing kind of goes in their favor. If it's not one thing, it's another. And it's just, it just seems like it's injury after injury. You brought up Andy Dalton. He's he's out, right? He got like a he has a finger injury. Yeah, he was limited practice for a back injury. Yeah, probably so similar to Jameis's. Yeah, so it's just like the lesser two evils, honestly. Yeah, I think the Saints are cursed personally. <laughs> um, you know, as a Saints fan, we saw it. 2018, just no flag thrown, and now we're just you know Minnesota miracle, and now we're just mm-hmm. you know. In London, by the way, we blow a, a lead. Uh, I mean, I've seen it time after time. There, there. In my 
opinion, they're in a bad spot. Just the entire NFC South is not good this year, which is kind of good for them. You're one you're one game behind, but you're also dropping games you weren't expected to drop. But you lost to Carolina. True. They literally fired their coach. <laughs> and Andy Dalton being hurt is is not good, you know, for them in the coming weeks. But you also re- have to remember that Sean Payton retired this offseason. So you have Dennis Allen. There's just a lot of new, you could say, with this team. And now there's a lot of injuries that there's not much you can do to control that. There is no other Michael Thomas. You draft Chris Olave, hoping that he'll be able to come in and fill in that role if Michael Thomas isn't healthy. That happens, and then Chris Olave gets hurt. It's just certain things that you all can't control right now. For sure. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's I just, guess that's the best way to luck. put it. <laughs> it's bad luck or something. There's I, always I, next year. I don't year. know, man. There's, there's too much voodoo stuff this going on in New Orleans. Year. Yeah, you can say it's a... But like we said, (laughs) the Saints are beat up with injuries. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Marshawn Lattimore are all still not expected to play Thursday. Do you think the Saints can win this one against the Cardinals? I mean, I I feel like it's a toss-up because, like, the Cardinals are 2-4. and They don't look too hot. But DeAndre Hopkins is back from his suspension, so he's going to be a main target for Kyler. I, I don't know where I see this game going. I think it's the... Two mediocre teams against each other. What do you think, Patricia? What Cassie said, like <laughs> the battle of the mids. Oh, come say. on, come but on. Again, the thing that separates the Saints and the Cardinals is that the Saints are not even close to 100% healthy. And that's why I could see the Cardinals coming away with this. DeAndre Hopkins could possibly be a main target for Kyler Murray, depending on how much chemistry they were able to no develop. No Lattimore either. With his. That could be a nightmare. That could be such a nightmare. So. It could be a big nightmare for I think, Saints. I, don't I think know if Taysom it, has to have a big game. Oh, this tomorrow. is his. <laughs> this is his Super Bowl. To be this honest. is his. <laughs> but see, the thing is, every time now, because let's say Taysom Hill does start, but if he doesn't, by some miracle, oh, he won't. If he does not start, every time he's out there on the field, they you know. know the ball's going to him. He's a Swiss Army man. And knife. I mean, last week, if I'm not mistaken, or this week rather, last Sunday, you could say they took out. Andy Dalton and put in Taysom Hill. You knew the ball was getting yeah, to him. Yeah, it's predictable at this point. It's and like, why? So you could, it's hard for a Saints fan or the Saints organization to go in and say, okay, Taysom Hill is going to lead us to a victory when every time he's on the field, the defenders are looking right at him saying, okay, it's probably it's going to go to him, maybe Kamara. I agree. Just one of the better matchups, though, this weekend was the undefeated Eagles and the Cowboys came up with the Eagles on top, winning 26-17. to 17. So the real question is, are the Eagles legit? I think, without a doubt, the Eagles are legit. They they just look so good. Coming from a Cowboys fan, I was so, so <laughs> frustrated. I had to like take a break from the game. Yeah, both of y'all. I, yeah, I had to put my mental health first. I was like, I cannot watch this right now. But I, I think the conversation at first was, oh, the Eagles, they're not, they don't have any competition. The people they're playing, they're sorry teams. But the way that they came, handled the Cowboys, I think they're the real deal, especially because the Cowboys were on a hot streak. Jalen Hurts is fun to watch. I really must say. He's a fun quarterback to watch. And I I love what he's doing because there was a lot of discussion, uh, even – my boss's wife, who doesn't watch a lot of football, was like, <laughs> I don't think Jalen Hurts can read defenses. And she didn't think that he could be the guy to lead them anywhere, let alone to a 6-0 and season. They're the only undefeated team right now in the NFL. I would say they're legit. And the Eagles just made all of the right moves in free agency, in the draft. And that builds, I mean, you get A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You have guys that Jalen Hurts 
can throw to. Miles Sander in that backfield, again, this team was just not made perfectly, but it was put together the right way, making the right moves, and that's what this Eagles organization should be proud of right now. I completely agree. I think it's their division to lose, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the NFC is actually stacked this year, but I think, in my opinion, the Giants are kind of a fluke. (laughs) I mean, they haven't really played anyone too, too much. Don't get me wrong. The Ravens are good, but they are like, you don't know what you're going to get out of Mm -hmm. them every week. They've blown three leads so far this season. So, I mean, the Eagles' defense, you, you, you said they were put together completely. I mean, the Saints traded them Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He had two interceptions off of Cooper Rush on the night. How big has he stepped up for the Eagles with Slay having the guard lamb all night? That was crazy because I must say, I thought CJ was taken out of the game because he had hurt his hand about midway through. And then all of a sudden I see him, he is the second pick of the night. (laughs) And again, that's what I mean by this team being so put together, that you know you have a guy guarding Lamb, big play slay out there who also had an interception of his own, and you need another guy to step up, and that's exactly what CJ Gardner-Johnson was able to do. Yeah, I agree. Two picks in the night is crazy. And he was just locked down all night. And I think for the Eagles to have someone like CJ and Darius Slay, I think it's a cheat code. It's pretty unfair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I miss him. I do. I miss him I'm at, sorry. in New Orleans. And we, we gave up dirt for him. So, <laughs> no, we got dirt in return. The yes. So, I mean, if you're the Cowboys, is it time to bring Dak back? Cooper Rush did everything he had to do. He lost his only ever loss as a starter was against an undefeated Philadelphia Eagle team in Philadelphia, right? And if you had told any Cowboys fan, or even I would say maybe even the man Jerry Jones, well, maybe not Jerry Jones, but anyone else in that Cowboys organization, that the Cowboys would have lost Tyron Smith and they would have lost Dak Prescott, there's no way the Cowboys are 4 and Yeah, two did right y'all now. believe that? No. That the Cowboys were going to go, what, 5-1? Five, 4-2 five and one? Four or 4-2 four, right four with... Cooper no Rush. Well, I did just because I like to be delusional. <laughs> but if we were being realistic, I'm sure not. Like, but. like me, just an outsider. I, I was like Cooper Rush. There's no way that this guy is gonna win you, you know, more than two games, much more than four. But he, I mean, he proved everybody wrong. But as great as Cooper Rush has been, we have to give creds to Tyler Smith because. The Cowboys for years have needed a left tackle. Tyron Smith is extremely injury prone. They draft Tyler Smith. They finally make the right move there in improving their offensive line. And that's helped them tremendously with this quarterback changeup. I I think if Dak is healthy, obviously we should play him. But I feel like there's no need to rush his recovery timeline. I still trust Cooper Rush. I trust Cooper Rush with my life, honestly. I think he's a great (laughs) – ever since – I don't know what game that was, but when he had to fill in for Dak for the first time. It was against the Vikings. Vikings, right? Yeah, against Minnesota. I was like, I like what I see. What I what I Dak Prescott seems to be healthy. He seems to be prepared as he was throwing against the Eagles in the Eagles game. He said he was about at an A and he wanted to be at an A plus. So give that an extra week. Next week's week six. That was his timetable for his return. If he's healthy, you put him back in. But again, there's no need to rush him. You're not in panic mode. Just yeah, we're yet. playing the Lions. Right. No, I don't want to jinx anything. You I play really the don't. Lions and you play the Bears and then you have a Who bye. are also coming off a of bye week though, so they might be yeah. they might be ready to play. They, they powered up. Right. <laughs> but we're gonna move on. The Buffalo Bills defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in a revenge game from the AFC divisional game from January. Josh Allen managed a game winning drive for the Bills to defeat Patrick Mahomes. Did this game live up to the hype? 
did. Tony Romo. Okay, hear me out. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I disagree. Tony Romo predicted this is going to be a 24-20 game. That's exactly what it was. Tony yeah. Romo working his call magic that. again. But what I liked is that it wasn't an offensively run game, that it wasn't a 50-40 to 40 something so, game so close. I liked... You like to watch Iowa football. No, I liked, I liked that there was balance, that you had okay. these two teams. Because in order to be good, you can't just be an offensively minded team. You have to have it all. And that's what proves that the Chiefs and the Bills are this good. Because not only do they have the offense, they have the quarterbacks, they have the fun names, but they also have those defensive players who came in clutch. And shout out to Jordan Jordan Poyer, Bill Safety. He drove 15 hours to get to that game and play in it because he was not allowed to fly because he suffered a collapsed lung. So he hired a car service, went with his family, 15 hours to Kansas City, and then had to drive back because he was not cleared to fly on the way back. Cassidy. I saw that. I thought that was really cool. Dedication. Dedication. And they came out with the win. I agree kind of with Patricia, but not all the way. I like those games where it's like scoring, like, oh, he just did this. Did you see Patrick Mahomes that hat trick? Oh my gosh, Josh Allen. Like, I like watching yeah. explosive football in that kind of sense. And it's, it's not what that was, especially with two offenses who were led by two great young quarterbacks. It's not really what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I agree with you, Cassidy. I mean, I'm a big – I do like a little bit of defense played. Yeah. But that was just too much defense. <laughs> I, especially when you have all these big-name guys like Stefan Diggs. Yes. And you have, you know, Gabe Davis. You have all these guys. Dawson Knox went off last year, and he was, like, non-existent. He had a touchdown at the end to help win the okay, game. Okay, yeah, at the end. But he didn't have, like, any of the reception yards. But, I mean, you have all of those guys, and yeah. you – you're not like scoring yeah. every time, and, you have and, the, and there wasn't like anything crazy that, that happened. Tr- except that Josh Allen's hurdle, we got that. That was, that was oh, pretty cool. Yeah, that, yeah. His Hall of that Fame was that video. was a highlight of the game. And like you're bringing up all these offensive weapons. Travis Kelsey just came off a four touchdown career yeah. game. And like he was silent, like, but like much. you know. But again, you look at this game, and Patrick Mahomes throws an interception to pretty much lose the game. And that was something that last year it was, okay, we always want more. Oh, maybe Josh Allen should have got a chance in overtime. And again, it wasn't so much, oh, that was a mistake by Patrick Mahomes. It was just the defense was so dominant this whole game. Uh, And I know it was different. I know that we live in a world where we want to accumulate points, but it was fun to watch and see a different side of football. I I do like that it was a close game. I don't like blowouts. So I do like that I was on. Very competitive, yes. For the Chiefs, though, what, what more could you have done? So, yeah, in my opinion, I think coaching and clock management just ended up losing the game for the Chiefs. I mean, you went before halftime, it was bad. I don't know if y'all saw this. They called timeouts on uh, Bill's third down, like thinking they were going to go score, even though they only had one touchdown before half. They gave up a huge touchdown to Gabe Davis, which, you know, gave them the lead before. So that gives both teams momentum, even though they did get a field goal at the end. I think that kind of lost them the game. No, Turnovers. Yeah, I would say that and yeah. turnovers too. I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes throws two interceptions. Josh Allen throws zero. Who would you expect to win the game? Just right. little things like that, that when you're playing a competitive team like the Buffalo Bills or even the Kansas City Chiefs, when you're playing in a competitive game like this, you can't make those costly mistakes. Yeah, I agree. Right. We're going to move on. Finally, our last topic of the day. The Major League Baseball playoffs have been so exciting, to say the least. The underdogs are just dominating in the NL. And the Phillies defeated the defending champions of the Braves. And the San Diego, excuse me, Padres upset the best team in baseball 
and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The ALDS is currently going on right now as the Yanks are hosting the Guardians in a winner go home to send the winner to the ALCS against the Astros. Patricia, give us an update right now. This is live. They're what in, is going on? They're in the top of the ninth. And it's oh, five to one right it's now. It's done. It's done. Wait, wait, please don't say that because you know what happened in Game Three. I am a Yankees fan. Okay. So the jinx for me. Please. You Andre, you could have jinxed it, but I'm not going to jinx it here. Let's relax. The Yankees will most likely okay go on to face and, the Astros. And actually, I apologize. We're in the bottom of the eighth. We, oh, bottom we're in of the, the eighth. We're going into the mid eighth. Right. right now, yeah. Okay. What team? I'll, I'm just going to say this then. Which team, in your opinion, has the most potential to win it all? I hate to say it, but I really think the Astros have a big chance. I'm not an Astros fan. I am actually a Red Sox fan, and we don't have to discuss anything. Ooh, we don't have to talk about anything. <laughs> but you look at all these teams, and the Astros have the most experience in the playoffs, and they've just been dominating <laughs> everyone they've been playing. So I just think they possibly have the potential to win it all. No, I, I have to agree with her. Oh, and that hurts, it's because Patricia. It does, but it's because – how put together they are. The, I it, Could it be the Phillies or the Padres year? The Phillies is a team that possibly I could look out for. They were that magic number one. They weren't even mm. supposed to be there. They mm. defeat the Braves. I don't and think so. the, the Padres are the same, but the Padres... Padres have more pitching, though. They do. You're right. Joe Musgroves have shown out. Juan Soto... They have so many good starting pitchers. Hit, Blake Snell. So they're, they're going to be exciting. That's going to be an exciting matchup, the Phillies yes. and the Padres. But at the end of the day, experience and talent, that's what the Houston Astros have. And in managing. I think managing has a big part in it. I think my unbiased opinion, I'm going to go with y'all. I'm going to say the Astros, the depth they have is just ridiculous. I mean, we can say all we want about the Astros, but their bullpen is the best in baseball right now. They have the most rest. I mean, they're going they're going mm-hmm. to have the most right. rest. Um, they have the most playoff experience. So that's what's going to you know help them. I would say the Padres too in the NL, just because their starting pitchers are dominant. You have Hugh Darvish, mm-hmm. Joe Musgrove, and you have um, the guy that pit. I forgot who pitched the other night, but they have another dominant one. But what World Series matchup would y'all like to see personally? Just personally. Hmm. I would love for the Yankees to be there just because I haven't seen one. So that's from coming from a personal opinion. I would like to see the Yankees, even a Phillies matchup. That would be fun just mm. because the battle of the tri-state areas. But the Padres <laughs> are an exciting team. Tatis Jr. went down. He's had a suspension. Now he's got a second surgery even on his wrist, even though he is suspended. But they suffer a loss there, right? But they were still able to make it. They made the pitching came in clutch. Juan Soto and Manny Machado. They have the duck now that they're probably going to bring to every game. Oh, yeah. The goose, rather. They're an exciting team to watch. So that would be a cool matchup just to have East Coast, West Coast, New York, the San Diego, and to have that matchup go on. I like the thought of that. That, that sounds cool. I'm very, I don't really have an opinion just because I'm just so hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see that being a Red Sox fan. <laughs> but your your was, team, like your team, got knocked out in a heartbreaking kind of way. Yeah, that was just your Braves like, fan, right? Yeah, because we sorry. owned them all year. Yeah, like, I mean the Braves owned the Phillies the, all year. The Dodgers owned the Padres all year. Yeah, yeah it for, was it for, was the same way. Actually, the whole, I think their whole career. Baseball is just a momentum thing. Yeah, it, it really it's so is. So weird. It's but for me, I would say an exciting matchup would be the Astros and Padres because. Juan Soto's return to Houston mm. would be crazy to watch. And I think just in terms of, like, star players and all that stuff, you know, it would be cool to see. 
no matter what, I want to see the Padres. Okay. Because they're, they're, they're an entertaining team. They're a fun yeah. team. But what's, what team do y'all think y'all will see, you know, like logically? The Astros, again, they're just put together. We talked about their pitching. And I'm going to go with the Phillies. That magic number one, mm. it just seems to be their year. Bryce Harper, was he paid too much? I said that for years, that you're overpaying him. He still it's ridiculous. Is. He still is. Bryce Harper, well, he's going to prove that now, this year. He's going. Can he come in clutch? Can he help them win? And, again, we just seem, we see these teams far too often where they're counted out, they might not even make the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they come in and they win the games. Like the Braves, they only won 87 games last year, was it? Yep. 88 maybe? They, yeah, they were not even expected to make I think they won the 88. The Phillies yeah. have won 87, if I'm not mistaken, this season. So they go and they win it all. So you're saying Phillies and Astros and the Phillies are going to take the win. I don't know if they're going to take the win. I think the Astros will end up winning, but I could see Philadelphia coming in here defeating the Padres. Okay. What do you see? I for sure see the Astros there. Man. Just because <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Astros. They just will find their way into something. I think both of y'all are wrong. Re- you don't see the Astros Ooh, in the World okay, Series at all? It. Let me hear it. I think Yankees, Padres. I love it. Because, you know what? I'm I think, wrong. I think so. Yankees beat the Astros in a seven-game series. That would be so Which breaks amazing. my heart. I don't want the Yankees to, to win. It does sorry, break my heart Patricia. to say, but I think that does happen. I'm going to be biased for a minute because even if the Yankees beat the Astros, I'd be able to live if we go in there. And I don't know. That's more heartbreak it, for you. It would be heartbreaking, but just knowing that we knocked off the Houston Astros – Oh After yeah, all the you, pain you and will suffering, love that. That team has caused Major League Baseball I'm so sorry. because of their ethics. <laughs> it would be Dodgers cool did it too. Fun to Red Sox see. did it too. Oh. Both got caught. Oh, they they did. That both got caught, but but only the Astros get hit. No, I had a class. I don't know what class it was. <laughs> Red Sox also won. This seems a World to be a Series, conversation so. for. But time. we were talking about is it bad because they won? Like. They've been cheating, but would everyone have been mad if they, they were just They losing? wouldn't have said anything if they lost. Exactly. It's, it's the punishment. I am not an Astros apologist. Do not get me wrong. It's the punishments that no matter what team, there had to be punishments I for think players, and there was not. for Yankees fans especially, it hurts because obviously they won against them in like the worst fashion possible. So I think definitely that's why a lot of baseball hates the Astros. I mean, don't get me wrong. Most of baseball hates the Astros, but – Yankees fans especially. Do they? Okay, and they, Patricia's giving me a but look right no, now. No, because the thing about Yankees is that we've done it. They've won before 27 times. and Prehistoric, I, but yes. 2009? Is that prehistoric? That is really old. I, yes. I was alive. That's like We were alive. That's still Barely old, for what, me to comprehend. But it's hard to win a World Series. Right? It is, How yes, yes. How many the Braves have, right? That's yes, what, That's know, what I'm saying. But So when you do finally do win, the Houston Astros finally get over that hump, it's like that's a team you want to cheer for. That's a team you want to be like, all right, that's kind of cool. Which that, they were bad. That they got, yeah. That's what I'm saying, that they got over that hump, and they've been so good for so many years. And something like that just tarnishes it. Do they still have that championship? Or did they they take it away? They're not? Okay. Yeah. What do y'all think about that? Should they? I don't think so. Only, I think, think not so much take it away, but you look at things like college football. Yeah, I mean, you can call it Mickey Mouse, just like LeBron's ring in the... Look, a lot of things... Disney ring. In the bubble, so... But a lot of things happen out of college football players' control and championships get taken away from them. And now you have something like a Major League Baseball where these guys knew that they were cheating and there was not a suspension or anything for these players when there was only for their managers. Manager. And it yeah, was but a he did pay on the for wrist it. for he a did year, pay for, for a year. It was the manager's idea. For I mean, if you're a player, you can't just be like, "No, I'm not doing this." 
Why? You could. I mean, it's you're going to get something's, cut. Something's unethical. Yeah. You're going to get you're, cut. And you're still going to do it's that? A business. It's all about your moral If Jose compass. Altuve came out here and said, I'm not doing that, you would really think that they're just going to cut him? Yes. And trade him. There yeah, wouldn't be probably. one other team that picks him up. I really do. It's a that business. That allows Jose Altuve. You would be surprised, Patricia. But then I think Jose so. Altuve goes out there and said, oh, yeah, okay, they're cheating. I mean, he could say that, but that would just. Look, in my opinion, it's morals and values. And he could possibly get blackballed, too. But that's not the point. It is moral anyway, compass. Anyway, let's wrap this it up. It is yeah. moral compass. I agree with you. We're going to wrap this up. That's going to be all for us here today. Make sure you tune into the Tailgate Show Friday at 1130, where we discuss Ole Miss LSU preview and Out of Bounds on Sunday at 2. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and huge thanks to Cassidy Johnson and Patricia Caputo for joining us today, as well as our producer, Jonah Webster. And this has been the Hodges Huddle. Hodges Huddle.